Wild Ducks, tomorrow night at 8 on the radio home of the Wild. FM 100.3, KFXN, Minneapolis, St. Paul, The Fan. It's Wild Weekly on The Fan. Pass it from Kaprizov, Johnson scores! Now here to talk about the Minnesota Wild and the NHL. From the Wild, Kevin Falness, And from The Fan, Brandon Molesky. Hey, good evening. Welcome to a Friday night edition of KFN Wild Weekly. I am Brandon Molesky from The Fan. Kevin Falness from the Wild Radio Network joins me now. Kevin, uh, nice to chat with you on a Friday night. Nope, you're doing it wrong. It's... Happy Hockey Day, Minnesota Eve. Oh, sorry. how you should have introduced Happy me Hockey and said Day. hello. Well, now, like, Hockey Day, Minnesota has basically turned into, like, a three-, four-day event. So I, I don't really know if we can do the Eve thing anymore. Like, they're playing games now as we speak. They're playing games last night. It's like a whole festival yeah. now. Yeah, looking at the pictures coming out of there and stuff, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm to a degree, I'm jealous. I don't know that I want to make that drive all the way up there to go watch, but... I'll uh, sit here on my couch. We'll check it out on Bally Sports North. And, of course, tomorrow night to, for the nightcap of Hockey Day Minnesota, I will hashtag Mew TV. I w- well, I was watching television last night for the uh, for the Wild broadcast, and uh, they made a comment about how nice the weather was going to be up there, right? Like here in the Twin Cities, yeah. it's it's awful outdoor hockey weather because it's above freezing, but it's supposed to be like in the, the mid-20s up there. So it's, you know, Typically, you think War Road Rozo, it, it, you know, you could have one of those five below games they're going to have a nice little uh, nice little temperature out there for a game. Yeah, I've been going through some of my memories and some of the best memories of Hockey Day Minnesota dating back to 2007. And one of them where I had zero FOMO was the one when they headed up in Bemidji. We had uh, Sarah Torrey on, uh, the head coach for Bemidji State, right afterwards. And I think it, he said his eyelids were glued shut from the – they were frozen shut. It was like <laughs> that cold. It was like Arctic. So when you, you're right. When you think about up by the border of Canada, you're, you're assuming in the middle of January it's going to be frigid. And it doesn't sound like that will be the case. They're going to have a wonderful time up there, man. It, it should be a blast. Well, uh, your guy Zach Halverson and I did a broadcast for Hockey Day Minnesota at Parade a couple years ago. I don't even remember when it was anymore. Uh, but it was at Parade Ice Arena, in Mini- or not outside of Parade in Minneapolis. Yep. And not only was it freezing that day, Kevin, but the wind was awful. And we had yeah. zero protection from the wind. <laughs> like, yeah. we weren't in the fancy schmancy television booth where they've got, like, heaters set up in there. We were just, yeah. like, up top in an unprotected area, zero heat, and the wind was coming right into our face. And I'm telling you, Kevin, that is the coldest I've ever been in my life. And I was happy when it was doing- over. Wasn't it you and me in Stillwater? Stillwater. And it was actually it was like raining. raining. Yes, and we were yeah. we and were so, in the bleachers next to next yeah, to fans, exactly. like literally, like we could you know be criticizing one of the players whose parents was sitting right next to us. And we look over our right shoulder, and there's Lopanta and whoever it is that he's got doing the broadcast yeah. with him. His hair is perfect. He's covered. He's got a heater. He's wearing like fleece blankets. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. They that, don't that, they, they don't care too much about the TV. radio side of things when it comes to hockey. Could Damon, not. So care less yeah. Nope, it's all about the tv uh let's talk a little minnesota wild though they uh, had been winning a few games there they'd won three in a row four or five obviously the big one last night kevin taking on a predators team that they were uh what four points behind in the standings and you know nashville at the time uh, that last wild card spot so you think man if we win all of a sudden we're just two points out of that final wild card spot and they had a one one nothing lead heading in the third period and uh, couldn't hold on that's the disappointing part. They probably, you know, they weren't playing well throughout the majority of that hockey game. But regardless of any of that you want to put on there, they're up one zip after 40 minutes. And we were looking at the stats there, 14 one 
when they had held a lead after two periods all throughout this season. And, of course, that came to a crashing halt when the Predators score twice in 35 seconds and three times in the third period to erase that uh, 1-0 advantage. So they end up losing 3-2, and it's so disappointing because they have been playing some good hockey. I mean, you don't accidentally go into Florida and win and then follow it up with wins over Carolina and Washington. They were playing some decent hockey over that three-game stretch, and then you throw in the win over the Islanders, too, where they shut them out to get uh, Fleury his historical win. Uh, It's just so disappointing that they came into a game that meant this much to them on their home ice, and uh, you know, overall it felt like it was a flat effort. Yeah, and you know, it was just kind of a weird game from the get-go. Just not a lot of chances for the Wild, and Nashville just kind of plays kind of that ugly style, and so it wasn't a very aesthetically pleasing game. But you know, Kevin, even as the Wild were getting closer to a playoff spot and making a run, my biggest concern has been all season long is their depth on that blue line. We know about uh, you know Jared Spurgeon now officially out for the season, and I thought last night was a good example of you're up one nothing in that game. Goaltending's been great. You know, obviously at the time playing well enough to, to win the game, given you had the lead, and you have you know players that have to get into fights because they're you know taking cheap shots at Kirill Kaprizov, but it's guys on a our blue line, and you know they had to go through a stretch there where they only had four defensemen uh, with with you know Bogosian and um, who was Middleton both in the penalty box uh, for an extended period of time. And it's just like, I just don't know if defensively this team can hold on throughout the season unless Gustafson and if Marc-Andre Fleury's back, unless those two are brilliant. Uh, I, I still just don't have a lot of trust in this blue line from a depth standpoint. Uh, you know, that, that that's that really hurt. When you lose Bogosian for 17 minutes and you are, you know, razor thin on that blue line, that does hit you right between the eyes. Um, I will say that I think Gustafson has been playing his best hockey and probably one calendar year you know it's been well maybe not even a calendar year at the end of last season as they headed into the spring he was playing his best hockey and he was outstanding and it feels like he's been that guy again I, you know the those goals that Nashville scored last night I don't necessarily put on no uh, Gustafson that third one it, it it hurts but he couldn't see it you know it snuck through uh, a sea went of through, bodies is that the one that went through went Brock Faber's Faber. jersey yeah it yeah, that literally so that, got tangled up in his jersey and somehow still made its way through. It was one of the most bizarre goals I've ever seen. Yep, and no one had any idea. Even uh, Gustafson, by the time it went through him, he was like, how'd that happen? And it just squeaked through the short side. So uh, I think he's been playing great. So if there is something to hang your hat on, it's that and the fact that the guys that they do have available, I think their top four is fine. I, I, I love Faber, and I love the fact that he's skating with Jonas Brodin right now. I actually like Bogosian. I've been very impressed with Dakota Mermis. I think he's been more than just serviceable in the role that he's been playing. And then I think Jake Middleton's been fine. So, you know, it's it's finding that, that sixth defenseman and figuring it out where to go from there. But, uh, it you know, it does. It, it's, it's glaringly obvious how badly they miss Jared Spurgeon. Yeah, no doubt about that. And he, you know, one of those guys that um, has been a little polarizing when it comes to the fans over the last probably couple of years, I think, because of his size, people think he gets you know just kind of abused physically in the in the postseason when the, when the style is different and the, and the game changes. But I also think, uh, Kevin, that uh, you really you're starting to see what you miss when when Jared Spurgeon is out. Yeah, no doubt. It was uh, nice to see him yesterday. He did a little press conference, and for the first time, he spoke to the media since he uh, it was announced he's going to be shut down for the season. 
Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's your captain. He's one of your top two defense. I mean, say what you will about Jared Spurgeon, undersized and all that stuff, but the way he skates, the way he manages the puck and what he does uh, for this team, both on and off the ice, certainly that's going to leave a huge void to fill. And God love Dakota Mermis or any of these other guys you bring up from Iowa. They're, they're, they're good, and some of these guys have the potential to be real good down the line. But, I mean, this is Jared Spurgeon we're talking about, and that's, that's, that's a hard, hard role to, to replace. Offensively, uh, good to see Kirill Kaprizov get back. When you and I had talked about that, that stretch of games he missed after he got hurt in Winnipeg, and basically this team went in the tank when he was out of the lineup. And he's returned, and number one star of the week in the National Hockey League. It's that five goals over the uh, the two-game stretch, and uh, it's good to see uh, 97 playing well again. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the guy that's going to carry you to the promised land. If this team is able to scramble their way and leapfrog all these teams between them and that final playoff spot in the West, you got to have Kirill Kaprizov playing at a, at a high level. And, you know, you're seeing those old flashes of the old 97 again, and that's fantastic to get that hat trick. And like you said, five goals in two games. And, uh, yeah, he's been awesome. And I think uh, he had a couple of assists last night, so that's ten points in the last six games. Uh, uh, it's It's been fun to watch him rekindle that magic with uh, Matt Zuccarello. And they're also starting to get, you know, not last night, but they're starting to get some of their other guys emerging a little bit, right? I mean, I've really liked Felino since he's returned to that line with Jewel Erickson Eck. I've, I've always said he plays his best hockey when he has um, Erickson Eck on his line. Um, Marcus Johansson has been contributing offensively a little bit lately after a pretty dry stretch to begin the season. So they're, they're starting to get some other guys contributing. I, I think we need to figure out a way to get Jules Eriksson X some more recognition around the NHL. I guess it doesn't matter what other people think, but I think the the level of appreciation for that guy continues to grow for me. I I, I stand by my statement that yeah, number nine is hanging in the rafters right now, but I think the next number to hang at XL Energy Center is going to be number fourteen. Really, Jules Eriksson X has been that good not only this year but for this franchise and the way he continues to carry this team. Uh, he's the backbone, and, uh, you know, God love uh, Kirill Kaprizov, Jared Spurgeon, all these other guys, very important to this team as well. But to me, Jules Eriksson is uh, he's been that good for this team for that long, and I think the rest of the NHL doesn't have a full appreciation for just how good he is. You don't think Spurgeon will be up in the rafters someday? Someday, maybe. But I think he'll Jules be retired Eriksson before Jules Eriksson Probably, but to me, the, the the best chance, I don't know, maybe Spurgeon. I mean, Spurgeon's been here forever. Yes. I was looking at his numbers he's last night. He's here. closing in on 900 games. He's played a lot of games. Think about that. He, he's number two in franchise history behind uh, uh, Miko Koivu. And the other number I saw, his plus minus over the course of his career, number one in franchise history, at a plus 117. <laughs> Unbelievable. So say what you want about the plus minus. Who yeah. cares? But a plus 117 is a pretty good barometer about what kind of a player you are. Well, even back to um, Jewel Erickson Eck, right? We, we focus a lot on numbers, right? Goals and assists, and he's he's been as consistent as anyone on the team when it comes to that regard. Yeah. But you also know the, the amount of times, Kevin, where like they're on the power play and he is screening the goalie and, the, and a goal is scored because the goalie can't see the puck and he might he's not in the box score because of it. Yet he's making a play that is directly, um, you know, leading to your team scoring a goal. And he does so many. We talk about how good he is defensively. Clearly, he can score goals, and he can do it in multiple different ways, right? I mean, he can, he can score the one-foot, two-foot goals as, as well as anyone, but also has a nice shot. Uh, also gets assists and face-offs and penalty kills. And obviously, clearly, your net front presence on the power play 
he's really kind of a Swiss Army knife that's good at lots of things. Uh, that's what's so wonderful about him. He's not a one-trick pony. He's not just the offensive guy. He's not just the defensive guy. He's a great big conglomeration of all of it, and he brings out the best of everyone around him. And he plays in all situations, too. You know, he's on the power play. He can kill penalties if you need him to. He can also, you know, jump up and down your lineup. He can he can, he can center your third line if you need to, or he can center Zuccarello and Caprisa for a game as well. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching him, and I, the full appreciation for him has come over the course of the last two years. And, in fact, when he wasn't available at the end of last season and wasn't available in the playoffs, yeah. that's when people should realize how, just how good he is. Yeah, they were in trouble without him. Uh, one more game before a big break for you. I know it's an 8 o'clock start tomorrow night, but yeah, I think you're willing to do the 8 o'clock late start to have the next week off. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's an opportunity to celebrate Hockey Day Minnesota. So I'll just take the day on my couch, and then we'll show up around 745, click on the uh, microphone, and just do our little radio gig. Yes, Wild versus Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night. It's the 8 o'clock start pregame at 745. You can also hear Kevin Fallness and Pat McLeddy um, be on the pond tomorrow. Any special guests? Yeah, we got all kinds of good stuff. Uh, Pat's former teammate and Paul Broughton, and we'll bring up on the Rozo side. We're also going to have... Jay Hardwick on, the head coach of World. we got Bill Guerin joining us. So lots of reasons to tune in tomorrow, 10 to noon, on Beyond the Pond. Jay won't remember it at all because I th- feel like I've brought it up to him, but uh, I once participated in a uh, summer hockey camp with him up at Michigan Tech, and he, okay. was, uh, he was by far the best player there, which is why I remember his name. He was, he was, he was, right. he was, a, he was a good hockey player. I, I, I will be sure to bring that up to No, me. you don't have to bring that up. He, he won't remember it at all. Cycled into the corner for Connor Dewar. Fighting through a hit right wing side. Dewar goes from low to high. Spurgeon loads, fires. He scores! Jared Spurgeon, another bomb from the blue line. And late in the second, the Wild have a 3-2 lead. Jared Spurgeon, one of his 110 goals as a member of the Minnesota Wild. Unfortunately, the Wild captain won't be doing that again until next season. Welcome back to KFAN Wild Weekly. Kevin Falness with you the rest of the way as we recap a little bit of that meeting with Jared Spurgeon yesterday. Met with the media for the first time since it was announced last week that he's being shut down for the rest of the season. He's played just 16 games this year, and it all started in the wrong direction. Coming out of training camp, they get into the preseason and playing preseason hockey, and he gets injured at the end of the exhibition season. That's not a great way to start the year, um, to have an injury coming out of camp. Um, it's not ideal, and then to come in and um, sort of be battling with something throughout the entire time was was, was not something you're looking for this year. And um, obviously to be out for the years to be injured at any point in time is just not what you want and to be able to sit back and now sort of have a plan is uh, mentally a, a bit better for myself that's wild captain jared spurgeon from yesterday at xl energy center checking in with the media for the first time since the announcement that direction that they have him going in is having surgery on his left hip next month and then a procedure on his back about four weeks after that and the plan is for him to be ready for the start of actually actually when you finally got the answers and sort of a game plan sort of was a bit easier but I'm going through that and trying to figure stuff out to um, get it um, to a point where you could play was obviously difficult and then going through that and just not really feeling um, like anything was really working was very frustrating. Well, not only do they have a clear path going forward, but he's got the benefit of relying on some friends to bend their ear for some advice. Like 
former teammates Zach Parisi and Marco Scandella. That was a bit more minor than I would say that Zach was. So um, being able to talk to him a lot the last couple of months um, obviously puts you at a better space in, in your mind. And um, unfortunately, with Marco Scandella being a good friend of mine, he's had things like this down on his hip as well that I've been able to talk to him with as well. So, um, yeah, just like I said, the mental part of it for the, the month of going through just trying to figure stuff out. And obviously you're, you're playing and trying to get through it and not um, playing to the, the standard or feeling you are playing to the standard that you want to be at is difficult. Spurgeon, of course, is a staple in the wild lineup, so his presence is certainly going to be missed. But he knows the blue line's in good hands with guys like rookie Brock Faber stepping up big in his absence. Brock, you can see how mature he is, and I think you could see that last year. Um, such a calming presence back there. His skating is amazing, and um, I think you had glimpses of the offense that he could bring, but it is just getting that confidence to go out there and do it. And um, the rest of the blue line as well, there's a lot of skilled players and um, players that don't get enough credit on our on our decor, and um, I think they're getting it now. So the show must go on without Jared Spurgeon, but he still thinks this team can get it done and push their way back into the playoff picture in the Western yeah, Conference. Great lately, I think. Obviously, there's ups and downs, but that was a big road trip. Um, some hard buildings to play in and some good teams they, they were beating. So um, it's it's a lot easier to watch from afar when, when you're getting those victories. And uh, the season's um, there's still half left, and there's a lot of games to be played. But um, it's such a tight race that they're all important right now. So Spurgeon definitely won't be on the ice for the rest of this season, but I don't think that means he's going to disappear. Just being around to be a sounding board, whether it's off the ice or in the gym or something, always being there. And uh, if guys are asking questions or sort of voice your opinion of what you're seeing with the guys if they're asking you, but uh, I'm still around all the time trying to have that voice in there. And like I said it's a bit different when you're you're not in the battle on the ice. You don't get the exact feel um, of the game or what's going on in there. But um, to be able to come down and, and talk with them after games and especially after wins is, is a lot more fun. Wild captain Jared Spurgeon. Been with the team since 2010. He's got 867 games in the NHL, all with the Wild. He's second in franchise history, only behind Miko Koivu. And he's number one in the Wild in team history with the plus-minus stat. Get this, he's a, an astonishing plus 117 in his NHL career. Boy, they could have used him last night. They ended up losing 3-2 to the Nashville Predators. Had an opportunity to close within two points of the final wild card spot in the Western Conference, but they fall short. They lose 3-2, despite the fact they had the 1-0 lead after 40 minutes of play. Jules Eric's next scored his 21st of the year. Kaprizov and Zuccarello, the helpers, wild up 1-0 at that point. That's your score after two periods. Go to the third, though, and the Predators blow it open. They score twice. In 35 seconds, when Carrier and Forsberg score, they uh, erase the Wild 1-0 advantage, and they take the lead, and then Roman Yossi adds the eventual game winner at the 11:34 mark. Get down to the final four minutes of regulation, and Matt Boldy made it interesting. some offense here to get back in this one as they win the draw. They've used their timeout. It's Boldy right side, dancing, and cut through the floor. Yeah, but they couldn't close the gap. Instead, they lose, and they see their three-game win streak come to an end. After the game, Kevin Gorg of Bally Sports North caught up with Wild defenseman Zach Bogosian. Zach, for 40 minutes, you guys had this game right where you wanted. The crowd was into the game. You had a one nothing lead. Anything you can point to that allowed Nashville to get those two quick goals in the third and turn this thing around? 
You know, I think it's just one of those games that's, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to process, you know, this quick after, um, you know, being up a goal, going into the third at home. Um, you know, you obviously want to come out on the, on the winning side of things. So, um, unfortunate way to lose. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we got to make sure we, we finish this homestand, um, you know, going into break with, a, with you know, a possible four to six points. So we have to look forward to that. And you're a veteran player that's got a very big presence with this group. And this was one of those games that was a swing game. You could have been down two points instead of six in that playoff push. Mm-hmm. How do you regroup and put that out of your mind and know that there's still 34 hockey games left? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're right. We, we obviously knew what was at stake. Um, we knew that this this was a team that we were chasing. Um, you know, fortunately for us, there's a lot of those games coming up in February as well that we're, we're going to play teams that we're chasing um, and try to close that gap. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, every uh, every game is super important right now. Um, you know, anytime we can keep climbing and getting those two points is huge. So um, we just got to regroup, um, you know, pick ourselves back up and, and go from there. That's Wild Defenseman Zach Bogosian with Kevin Gorg of Bally Sports North. Wild lose, and again, they see that three-game win streak come to an end. And yes, instead of closing within two, now there's six points between the Wild and the Nashville Predators in the standings. But there is a lot of hockey left, including tomorrow night when the Wild host the Anaheim Ducks. Get the victory, you take two or three on the homestand, and you go into the All-Star break with a big old smile on your face. But it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to get it done. Hopefully the Wild can get it done tomorrow night. Our coverage starts at 745. Puck drops just after 8 o'clock as the Wild hosts the Anaheim Ducks. Plus, we got Beyond the Pond tomorrow morning, 10 to noon. Myself and Pat Nicoletti, action-packed lineup like we talked about, including plenty of coverage, getting you ready for Hockey Day Minnesota. So hopefully you'll join us. But thanks for listening. For Brandon Molesky, I'm Kevin Falness. This has been another award-winning edition of KFAN Wild Weekly.